Coca-Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo are bringing consumers more choices with less sugar than ever before. From sparkling, flavored, and bottled waters to zero-sugar sports drinks, teas, and sodas, consumers are taking advantage of these choices. In fact, nearly 60% of beverages sold contain zero sugar. To learn more, visit balanceus.org. For wisdom and not reason When you pray Let his name be your petition When you pray When you pray Oh, when you pray Pray, pray Lord, show us the way Show us I'm 
Battle-ready prayer. Praises be to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Holy One of Israel, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I give you thanks and praise for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. I give thanks for a mind to pray, a heart to seek your face, and authority to bring my members into subjection. I thank you for this moment and the opportunity that each day brings. I know that each day is special, and I am empowered with unlimited potential. There are no ceilings on my life, obstacles that cannot be overcome, or barriers that can stand in my way. In fact, this is the greatest day of my life, and I am free to exercise all of the gifts and talents you have blessed me with. My hopes and dreams can manifest today, and I approach this moment with great expectation for miracles, breakthrough, and deliverance. I stand before you, Lord, naked, offering no excuses or justifications for my shortcomings and weaknesses. I come, Lord, seeking your standard and not those of men. I pray that you will forgive me my sins, known and unknown. Forgive every thought, deed, action, motive, or intent of my heart that is not lined up with your word, your will, or your calling and purpose for my life. Please forgive secret faults and uproot any seed of discontent that has been planted in my life. Forgive me, Lord, if I have held back the tide, and give me a heart to restore every person that I have wronged. Just as you forgive me, I forgive those that have wronged me, and I let go of any art, bitterness, or ill will that I have held in my heart. I will not allow sin and bitterness to cut off the flow of blessings into my life. I repent right now in the name of Jesus, and I receive the power of the blood to cleanse me from all iniquity. I come before you, Lord, with a heart that is after your own, and a mind that has stayed on you. I thank you, Lord, for saving me from myself and the consequences of sin. I surrender, Lord, and give you total and complete reign over my life. I willingly submit to you in thanksgiving and praise. I thank you, Lord, for the relationship and fellowship that you have allowed me to share with you. I thank you for every moment, prayer, word, and opportunity to gain revelation and understanding concerning you. Forgive me for the times I have taken you for granted or moments where I have allowed my focus and discipline to slip. I choose you, Lord, and all of your benefits and denounce all ties and fellowship with the world. I have no place in the world and denounce everything that it offers. You have given me a choice, Lord, and I choose to be in covenant with you. 
I have crossed the line of no return and I will not look back. Each day I am getting more and more like you and growing further and further from this world. My reality in Christ is more real than what my natural eyes behold. And I know that you are not a million miles away. You are right here with me every step of the way. I will have confidence in you, Lord, concerning every situation I face, every decision I make, and every temptation in my path. Give me an ear, Lord, to hear your instruction, eyes that will not be deceived, and a heart that will remain faithful. My life has been built on the foundation that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You died on the cross for my sins and your blood was shed for me. I exercise total faith and confidence in my belief that death was powerless to hold you in the grave and that you rose again and resurrected every dead thing. I receive your resurrection power and declare that there is no dead thing in my life. I speak life in all things pertaining to me. Even now, Lord, I pray that you will breathe life into my relationships, my home, my dreams, my career, and my calling and purpose. Let there be no cracks in my foundation and restore every bone that has been broken. I pray, Lord, that dead branches be pruned for me and my harvest bear much fruit. I offer no resistance and pray that all ungodly distractions be pruned for me, whether they are people, unhealthy relationships, environments, dead situations, ungodly influences, or anything that is not expedient for me. I distance myself right now from every dead thing and release them from my life in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that I have inherited life through your sacrifice, forgiveness for my sins through your blood, revelation through your word, and I have been empowered by your spirit. I take precious time, Lord, to fully grasp and consider what my relationship with you means. Help me to never lose sight of the fact that I have an adversary that must be fought each day. My adversary is the world and Satan who is the of this world. The world around me is not my home and each day it becomes more a reflection of Satan, its prince. I am not ignorant to Satan's devices and I understand that the world is designed for my destruction. The allurement of pleasure and the temptations that cross my eyes are for the purpose of robbing me of everything I have inherited through Christ. Every trap, every lust, and the pride that is in the world are set against me on all sides. The hope that I have is impatiently walking according to your word and staying firm to the covenant I have made with you. The world cannot strip me of my authority, but I can hand it over. I will not be deceived by what I see, hear, or how I feel. If it is not of God, then it is for my destruction. Help me, Lord, to see the spirit behind the temptation. The word tells me that Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes that I might have life and have it more abundantly. I rebuke and bind every influence that seeks to draw me away from you. For it is nothing more than a gateway to hell and will rob me of my eternal destiny. Father, I know you are able to do all things and there is nothing that is impossible for you. Right now, Lord, I remember my first love. And I am prepared today to exercise faith in the light of circumstances. Sacrifice my own wants and desires in order to embrace yours. Stand on the word of God, even if it causes me to be peculiar. Deny my flesh and feelings, regardless of the temptation, and not make decisions based on what I see or think. I will forget about the past and press towards the mark. I will walk as a prophet of God, put my head up, and if anybody is there to encourage me, then I will encourage myself. I will not be ashamed to follow the examples of Christ, even in the face of persecution. To think differently in the light of the negative labels and slander I may endure. Nor will I be afraid to take a stand in the minority, even if it seems as if the whole world is standing against me. I am willing to abstain when others are eager to participate. To speak out when my words may cause me to be ostracized. 
and to believe the Bible even when it is the unpopular thing to do. In other words, I am prepared to live like Jesus. I release my faith right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever situation I'm in, whatever I'm dealing with, and regardless of what odds are against me, I will be steadfast and unmovable. I am an elite company and encompassed about by a great cloud of witnesses. The words of this prayer will comfort me, build up my spirit, man, and encourage me in the way. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and cast down Satan and his forces of darkness from any involvement, activity, or distractions in this prayer. I commission my angels to come against every thought, feeling, influence, and hindrance that is set against me. I stand in the gap for my family and friends and pursue the Lord with all of my heart. Even as I hear the words of this prayer, my body is regenerating itself. My body is preparing itself for another productive day. My body is developing according to your plan and health is being released in all of my organs, tissue, bones, bodily systems, veins, arteries, and muscle. My brain is processing the information consistent with your word and filtering out everything that is not of you. My heart is being protected from all ungodly influences and my innocence is being guarded. I have and will always have a sound mind that is saturated in your word. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke evil spirits from attaching to me in any way, shape, or form. They have no place, familiarity, or invitation in my life. They do not enter into my eyes, my ears, my mind, or my heart. My spirit man has victory over them all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and cast down and break all generational curses. I decree by the blood of the Lamb and the power given to me as joint heir with Jesus Christ that I will not be the victim of physical, mental, or emotional abuse, nor will I have, serve, or entertain idols or false gods. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I decree that I am not a covenant breaker, and my yea is yea and my nay is nay. I pray, Lord, that you protect me from all hurt, harm, pain, and danger, and those that mean me ill will. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I have the patience of Job, the meekness of Moses, the heart of David, the favor of Joseph, the ear of Samuel, the courage of Joshua, the wisdom of Daniel, the zeal of Peter, the love of John, the faithfulness of Abraham, and the boldness of Paul. I abide in the fruits of the Spirit all the days of my life, and even now these fruits are growing in me. Lord, help me to be a person of great faith, consistent in good deeds, and a constant encourager. I will continue to love you with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, and to love my neighbor as myself. In the name of Jesus and the power of your blood, I pray, Lord, that you are first in everything that I do, and I have no priority greater than you all the days of my life. I am eternally connected to you and have an expectation in heaven. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that my face be before the Lord always and that your angels encamp around me and deliver me. Order my steps in the word and design my days according to your will. The Lord touches my mouth and puts his words in it. Lord, I will go wherever you send me and speak whatever you give me to speak. I am not afraid of their faces because your sword protects me at all times. Father, you are my sustainer, my provider, my comforter, my guide, my strength, and most of all, my friend. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I equip myself right now with the whole armor of God that I am covered from head to toe in every aspect of my life. There should be no parts of my life that are exposed on the inside or out, but all should be covered by the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I put on the helmet of salvation. I have been redeemed from all traces of poverty, and I rebuke and bind a poverty spirit. You supply all of my needs, and I am blessed all the days of my life. 
In the name of Jesus, I speak abundant harvest in my life. My bank accounts are overflowing and my barns are full. The blessings of the Lord overtake and pursue me all the days of my life. I speak financial security and wholeness over my family and the perfect will of God in my life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I rebuke, bind, and curse the spirit of death. I shall not see untimely death, nor shall death have any hold over me. I shall fulfill all of my days, months, hours, years, minutes, and seconds. I have divine order in my life, and death has no grip on me. A thousand shall fall by my side, and ten thousand by my right hand, but it shall not come nigh me. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, my feet are shod with the gospel of peace. Peace rests upon me and covers my mind and heart. I have peace in the midst of storms, chaos, and confusion. Your peace comforts me in times of trial and sustains me from being weary. It surpasses all understanding, rendering logic helpless, and my faith sustains me. Father, you are an awesome God. You are not a million miles away, but right here with me each and every day. You walk with me, talk with me, and guide me every step of the way. You love me, and I rest in you, and I know that you are my God. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I have been empowered with the sword of the Spirit, and I have authority over all power of Satan. I rejoice and celebrate that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The sword of the Lord shall never depart from me, and I speak boldness into my spirit. I rebuke, bind, and cast down the spirit of fear. You have not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. When I walk through the waters, you are with me. When I go through the rivers, you help me. And when I pass through the fire, the flame does not kindle upon me. You have set your love upon me, and you protect me all the days of my life. The hands of protection rest on me, and your fire shall be in my spirit. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, the shield of faith is an extension of my arm. My faith shall not fail me. And I trust in the Lord with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. If you said it, then I know that you will do it. You shall not withhold any good thing from me, and you are able to perform your word in my life. I fortify my faith by releasing the promises of God into my life. Every word you have spoken concerning my destiny shall be established and come to pass, and my enemies shall not prevail against me. In the name of Jesus, I pray over my marriage. I pray that my marriage will continue to be everything that the Word of God called it to be. My marriage shall be built on faithfulness, trust, loyalty, and a mutual love of God. You shall be the head of my house, at the center of everything we do, and the Word of God shall be the binding and final authority in all matters. I am God's ambassador in my house, and I shall cover my spouse all the days of my life, through my word, examples, character, and deeds. My marriage is blessed and washed in the blood and shall weather any challenges that arise against it. Our love continues to grow stronger each day as the Lord allows us to see more of him in one another. If I am single, then I confess total contentment within myself, wholeness in my life, patience to wait on God, and security in Christ. I am a person of high self-esteem and significant value to the kingdom. I will not compromise my covenant with God, nor will I allow fear to cause me to operate in the fleshly realm. I exercise complete and total control over my mind, my will, and my emotions, and I do not leave any doors open for Satan to sneak in. I understand that every relationship is not for me. Every person does not have my best interests. All that glitters isn't gold, and every sugary thing is not sweet. In the name of Jesus, I will not be distracted by counterfeits and wolves in sheep's clothing. I will not lower my biblical expectations, nor will I give in to the pressures of the world. I have total confidence in God and the plan that he has for my life. In the name of Jesus, I surrender my children to you, Lord, 
and trust you to impart me with the ability and wisdom to raise them in the fear of the Lord. I make a commitment to my children to openly receive the instruction in your word on how to raise them, love them, and properly present them before you at that day. I pray that your calling and purpose will be fulfilled in them and ask that you guide and direct me in all matters concerning them. I shall be careful to represent you before them in everything that I say or do. I commit to live holy before them and set godly examples for them to follow. I shall not be a hypocrite and I shall practice what I preach. I shall be a provider and protector for them and make whatever sacrifices are necessary to ensure them a wonderful life. I shall fight to preserve their innocence and protect them from the brainwashing of the world. My expectation in them shall come to pass and the blessings set out in your words shall be established in them. My children shall see you in everything that I say and do. In the name of Jesus, I seal my soul to the words of this covenant, that it is the declaration of my heart, that every word be lined up with the perfect will of God and line by line with his understanding. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be the final arbitrator of my mind and heart, and that this covenant be in all ways pleasing in the sight of God. I thank you, Lord, that you love me and that you hear me. I thank you, Lord, for a mind to share intimate fellowship with you. I thank you that these words shall be established in my heart and mind, that they shall be a part of me and guide and direct my paths at all times. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and this second chance. I look forward to your return, and I know that nothing that I have done or sacrificed has been in vain. Thank you for this life, who I am in Christ, and for all blessings you have bestowed upon me. Amen. Amen, and good evening. Happy Sabbath. Yes, happy Sabbath. Amen. So we want to thank you tonight for joining us right here on LPJ 64 for Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. And we're going to be talking about the influence of the world. The yes. influence of the world. You know, we love the Word. We love the Bible. And we all can study it together. And read Word and lift our Heavenly Father up together and praise Him together on the same accord as it is so wonderful to be able to do just that. That's right. We're going to start with Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We in Romans, the New Testament, chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world or fashion after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Mm. That's right. Do not be conformed or fashioned to this world. And that's why we're going to talk about the influence of the world. That's right. Do not be locked up in this world with the things of our Heavenly Father. That's right. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Word of God tells its people not to be conformed to this world. But the lure of materialism, the inordinate desire for wealth, and for what we think wealth can bring is powerful. Very few people, whether rich or poor, are beyond the reach of materialism. And this includes Christians as well. Nothing is wrong with being rich. 
or even working hard to get ahead in order to provide comfortably for yourself and your loved ones. But when money or the pursuit of money becomes all-encompassing, we have fallen into the devil's trap and have indeed become conformed to this world. Amen. That means when money comes to be everything, your God comes before anything, working. Money means number one. And we got a problem. Exactly. We got a problem. We got a problem because the world conveys the idea that the good life, the abundant life, can be found only in money. But money is one mask that Satan hides behind it order to secure our allegiance. Materialism is one of Satan's weapons of choice against Christians. After all, who doesn't like money? What money can bring us in the here and now? Its greatest achievement is instant gratification. But in the end, it cannot answer our deepest needs. That's right. Satan just can't. Satan tendency is to get us to love money. That's right. To get us to love it. Because mm -hmm. that's when it becomes a sin, when that's we it. love it. When we fall in love with money, now it's a sin. We won't, there is nothing we wouldn't do to have it. Correct. See, there's nothing wrong with liking money or needing money. Because right. then you have to have money in order to survive. Right. But when you become to love it, then there is nothing you wouldn't do to have it. And now it's a sin. Because you are right. Money has become the God of this world. And materialism is religion. Materialism is a sophisticated and insolent system that offers a temporary security from no ultimate safety. Materialism, as we define it here, is when the desire for wealth and possession become more important and more valuable than spiritual realities. Possessions may have value, but their value shouldn't possess us. For whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Mm. And see, you can read that in, in Ecclesiastic chapter 5 and verse 10. We're going to check that out. We want to make sure that you know it's in the Word of God. Ecclesiastic. Um, it's in the Old Testament. Ecclesiastic. Chapter 5. Verse 10. Ecclesiastic. E-C-C. There it is over there. Chapter 5. And do verse 10. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance will gain. This also is vanity, emptiness, falsity, and fruitlessness. So it's fruitless. Yeah. No mean no good. It, it, it's fruitless. It can't. Sil <clears throat> and silver is mine. Yeah, it can't send anyone to God. It can't find them light. It can't save a soul. It can't do anything. So what good is it? It's only good for you. 
and, and, so, and just for the here. That's right. It doesn't get God glory. So in the now. Be, right. Mm -hmm. This is for now. See? So it's won't See, and that's the problem with desiring the things of, the, of this world. No matter how much we get, it's never enough. We push harder and harder for more and more of that which can never satisfy us. And that's a trap. <laughs> well, the thing is to say no that that's the way flesh is, is built, is made that way. That it's greedy, it's selfish, <clears throat> and no matter how much you give it, it never gets enough. It's never enough. He knows that. And so that's why he wants you to, to uh, uh, seek it with the eye, desire with the mind, mm -hmm. and want it with the heart. And he knows one thing, when he gets you that way, you'll never give him up. And you're running after and running after. Most people lie, they've been running after money. And in the end, whether they have it or not, they can't take it with them. <laughs> he knows that too. He knows that. He knows that there ain't never been a Grinch truck behind the Amalek. Oh, Or a hearse, or whatever you want to call it. There's never, never been, been one behind. behind a hearse. That's right, behind a hearse. He knows he ain't never had one. But he still puts in your mind that this is, is what you desire, this is what you need, this is going to make you happy, this is going to make you feel good. He still feeds that into our mind. So it's a trap. Yes, it's a trap. So we're going to look at uh, New Testament, First John. First John, First John, chapter two. We're gonna do sixteen and seventeen. Now, what does and the lust of the eye, the greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resource, or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. And the world passes away and disappears, and with it the forbidden cravings, the passion, desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purpose in his life abides, remains forever. In other words, what he's saying, the things of the world don't last. It's from the devil. They crash. Bible tells you that the things of the world will not last and crash. And that's the God of this world. And that's the God of the world. Money. But you want to desire heavenly things that will last forever, that will yeah. be for eternity, you right. will have them forever and ever and ever. Because the world will pass away and disappear right. and the cravings and everything else go right with it. Satan wants you to think that these things here will be forever and yeah. make it look like they'll last forever, but that's not true. And look like you, well, you make it also look like that you just cannot live without a lot of money. You can live here on this earth and get your needs and even have some of your desires without worrying about being rich. Period. 
First of all, he builds that selfish attitude which he can make you believe the things you just said. <laughs> he has to build that selfish uh, controlling attitude. Now he can feed you those things. Yeah. This is why God tells us to bury the old man every day so we can eliminate those that selfish those desires, the that, passion yeah, of the world. Yeah, that selfish greed attitude. You get one uh, house, you need to get a bigger one. Right. Uh, I need more. More of a house. See, well, I want to buy me a house so I can entertain. Well, really, to be honest with you, a home is not for entertainment. Like they got bars, saloons, whatever you want to call them, your hotels. For you hotel. and your family to enjoy, to. And if you choose to entertain, yes. But you don't, you don't need a whole lot of anything to entertain. Right. Period. You're not entertaining. But that's not the world. really what it's for in the first place. Right. So, say you put all these things into your mind. If you if you if you're a child of God, entertainment is not in your vocabulary in no way. So he put all these things in your mind that you need to do this. If you entertain, you entertain the word, not not these things of the world. And this is what he feeds you. So you can be wrapped up in the world, feel that you need to entertain with things of the world with Because in, that's what most people buy houses for. They really don't buy houses. For them and their little family, they buy houses so they can entertain people. Right, entertain the world. Well, that's not what God wants you to do. He wants you to uh, entertain, teaching the word, teaching people the word, and showing them the light. Well, you don't need a big house for that. But Satan make you feel that you need the things of the world to be someone, to be somebody, to be important, to be seen, to be noticed. These are the things that power into your mind. See? Right. And now you feel you have to have these things. If you only realize you're somebody in God's eyes anyway. Regardless of whether you entertain or not. We're going to go to Luke chapter 14. All right. Luke, Luke chapter 14. 14. In verse 26. <clears throat> if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother in the sense of indifference or indifference to or relative disregard for them in comparison with his attitude towards God and likewise his wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life also. He cannot be my disciples. So what the Lord is saying, when you put your wife, your children, your brothers, anybody else above God, then you, even your own life, he's saying, your own life above God, you cannot be a disciple. That's right. You're not worthy. He said we're not worthy. You're not worthy of him. You have to be willing to give all. So he said bring your poor to Christ himself. So you think you can love your money, your home, and all these things and still be of God? No. You got to be willing to give it all. And you remember the rich man that said, Lord, I've done everything you've asked of me. What else must I do to enter your kingdom? Right. What did he tell you? Give up all your riches. All your riches and follow and me. Follow me. And he said, I can't do that. I cannot give up all my 
earthly riches and things. No. He said, I'll in turn and walked away. So this is the same thing God is asking us today. What are we willing to give up for him? What are we willing to let go? Exactly. Like he's saying, those for whom money or the desire for money becomes an all-consuming reality should indeed count the cost. What do you benefit if you you gain the world, the whole world, to lose your soul? Lose your soul. You didn't gain nothing. You didn't gain anything. You just lost your soul. And the money, too. So what did you (laughs) gain if you got two million, three million dollars in the bank? And then you die. And you die and lose your soul. And the money. You lost the money. You lost your your uh, room, uh, a hotel in heaven. So you lost everything. 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 It's not worth it. It's not worth it. That's mm-hmm. what God is saying right there. Why lose your soul? I don't want to get lose your soul. And so many people are doing that. They're caught up in being an American Idol. Or they're caught up in being... Uh, on the dancing with the stars and you know I want to do this I want to be seen doing this I want to leave my legacy well first of all I want to see Jesus that's who I want to see and so really into letting this world know who they are that they're letting the chance to be and live in heaven for eternity slide right on by because their heaven is right here Exactly. So when Christ came to the earth, humanity seemed to be fast reaching its lowest point. The very foundations of society were undermined. Life had become false and artificial. Throughout the world, all systems of religion were losing their hold on mind and soul. Disgusted with fable and falsehood, seeking to drown thought, Men turn to infidelity and materialism, leaving eternity out of their reckoning. They live for the present. That's what we're doing now. That's exactly what we're doing now. We live for, we live for the here and now. And right now. We live mm-hmm. for here and now and right now. Materialism, materialism, that's what they're running right. for. Living the legacy. Right. And and what we can get right now, what we can have is show who we are. Things make us. That's what we have that make who we are. Not, not God, not God, not the Creator. It's that is who we are. But the things, how many things that we have, how many houses, how many cars, that's who we are. That's <laughs> true. How many cars do you have? Um, you know, how many cars can you buy? Yeah. How many cars can you drive at one time? You know, it's like with us women. How many purses? How many shoes? How many shoes and purses can you carry at one time? Well, that's <laughs> so we get caught up in the materialistic thing. And that's true. That's it true. doesn't make it be, make no difference because 21 times the purses do not make who you are. Correct. Correct. So, you know, but maybe here on this earth, it does. Everybody saying Gina got some nice purses. Gina buys expensive purses. Gina don't buy nothing cheap. But in God's eyes, it don't matter. 
It doesn't matter because it's all here anyway and you're moving your soul over a person. Same thing with shoes and anything else you get caught up in. We're going to go to Luke chapter 12. And start at verse 15. So we're going to read this scripture and we're going to ask what's the message to us here? How might the principle here apply even to someone who is not necessarily rich? So in Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 15, And he said to them, Guard yourself, keep free from all covetousness, their immoderate desires for wealth, the greedy longing to have more. For a man's life does not consist in and is not derived from possessing overflowing abundance or that which is over and above his needs. Maurice 16. Then he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was fertile and yielding plentiful. I'll read to 21. And he considered and debated within himself, What shall I do? I have no place in which to gather together my harvest. And he said, I will do this. I will pull down my storehouse, I will build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain, oil, produce, and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many good things laid up. You have enough for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself merrily. But God said to him, You fool. This very night, they, the messengers of God, will demand your soul of you and all the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with the one who continues to lay up and hoard possession for himself and is not rich in his relation to God. This is how he fares. So what is he telling us? Because you got things laid up, whether you're poor or rich, whether we are rich or poor, our desire to own things can take our minds off of what we what really matters and focus them. And take your mind off of God. Take your mind off of heaven. Take your mind off of um, worship. And focus, we focus on temporal and fleeting mind. and mind. Certainly, not, certainly not worth the loss of eternal life. That's right. She's going to take your mind off of things that can cause you to lose your, your soul, soul or your soul be kept. And that's what it does. It gives you the wrong focus in the wrong place. That's right. Temporal thing. Because, like I said, even if you're not a rich man, how could these things uh, point to you? Uh, who may uh, uh, may be a judge right. or a maker of decisions for you. Right. So you put on you can look across the street and say, Boy, I sure like to have a dream I got. Mm -hmm. Man, I would love to have that car she has. I would love to have that that rose garden that she got. They call that coveting. Covetousness. That's a sin. Design what that neighbor has. That's right. That's a sin. That's how a poor man can do the same as the rich man. That's Those right. things are not right in God's eyes. Then they can cause a poor man to lose his soul. So what he's saying is we probably never would bow down to a literal statue of gold or silver and worship it today. But nevertheless, 
we still can be in danger of worshiping gold and silver just in another form. In another that's form. That's so many forms. That's right. Another we, form. We yes, got all yes. this money. We may not be bound down, but what are we doing? Hey, when you you worship it because you continue to want to make more and put it there, that's bound down to it. There it is. You go in there, you don't help nobody, you don't give nobody anything that's bound down. You're pulling down your barn and you're storing everything. And cover it, you're keeping it protected in that uh -huh. barn. You got you watching over it 24 7. That's it. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> okay. So, uh, well, we, we will be coming back talking about more about the influence of the world. We want you to keep it locked in on LPJ 64. For Mr. and Mrs. Sleeping Bible Study Hour.
join us. You are listening to LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. And we're talking about the influence of the world. So before we get to break, we're just talking about in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15 through 21. You know, the, this parable is applicable in many parts of the world where life is dedicated almost exclusively to acquiring possessions. Retailers have turned hawking of their products into an art form on a global scale. That is true, they have. Their marketing strategies are built on making us think we can't be happy or satisfied until we own what they are selling. That's right. <laughs> That's so until true. we own what they're selling. And uh, until you have a lot of money, until you it's all built around having a lot of everything that the world offers. If you don't, then you're not you're not power. You're, you're not part of uh, the world. You're not part of the crowd. <laughs> yeah, this one very successful company created a product and made us think we needed it, and then <laughs> sold it to us. And the truth is, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Even Christians who hold the not of this world are not safe from this uh, deception. And you know what? Now that you say it, it is so true. You can see something on a commercial. And you're going, really, I want to say? I need to buy that. No, I should have said, I, I, I should have said, I want to buy it because no, I don't you, need you, it. You should say. I don't need that, but I want that. Right, that's right. I want to buy it. We we look at our wants and our needs is already taken care of. Anyway. That's what society gets us on. They know we don't need anything, but they say we sell on their wants, not their needs, because their needs are so small, it's already taken care of. But their wants is something that's grieved desire, any and everything, that's what we sell on. You know what, and you're right, and it's only nineteen ninety nine. Why can't we just twenty dollars? But now when it comes to your tithes. Mm. We can't get that. Well you know what? See that nineteen ninety nine could be part of your tithes. But you'll take that nineteen ninety nine as part of your tithes and go over there and buy that that little thing that you think you won't need, but you don't. See, oh. and mm. but no, wait a minute. Okay. Uh, come helping your neighbor with her two little babies with a light bill. Mm. That's my time money. That's my time money. I can't do that. <laughs> you see, <laughs> we have well need to serve our wants, but we already have our needs, and we can't show love to anyone else because I greed. The world sells to us on our needs and greed. Yeah. And they know Basically that. on our wants and our needs. That's greed. right. Yeah, our wants and our needs. Our wants and our greed. Our wants and our greed. They know we want a lot, we grieve for a lot. And, and we'll buy it. And we'll buy it with selfish and help no one. Even if we say, oh, I'll pay my rent next week, I'm going to get this right now. There you go. And the Bible has already told you, oh, no man, pay your bill. But what we do? And you won't oh, pay I'm your money. on credit. You won't pay your money bill. You pass some of the bad, some you've seen on TV. Lord help us. Help us, Jesus. 
Right. See, right. the advertising world is powerful. Companies spend billions putting images of their products before us. They almost always use beautiful and appealing people to promote what they are selling. We look at those ads and see ourselves, not just with the products, but as actually being the people in the ads. <laughs> you see, the devil, the devil is, is what? Conceiving, conniving, self-centered. and self-centered, and he has a way to suck you in on everything. Everything from cars to houses to vacuum cleaners to even underwear. Simple as that, you need to buy a certain product. A certain product. Kind. If you don't buy these, nothing else will work. <laughs> he is deceiving the command. He had to stop. He had to stop. And you know what? That's why God tells us be content. That's right. What the things that you already, already have. have. And the devil cannot pull you in when you're content with what you already have. You're content with the food that you have. Don't feel you need a steak because you got hot dogs. Okay, be content with those hot dogs. If Satan can't pull you in to spend your life your money to get a steak, be content. That's right, and they're getting better and better. You know, materialism would not be nearly as effective if it were not for the subtle and sometimes not so subtle sensuality woven into the appetizing. It is advertising's most powerful technique, but it acts like poison to Christians who are struggling against the danger of materialism. So we're going to go look at Matthew chapter 6. Starting at 22. We're going to read 22 through 24. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is sound, your entire body will be full of light. Mm -hmm. But if your eye is unsound, your whole body will be full of darkness. And that means, like, but if your eye is evil, all of your body will be dark. So that's right. And even then, the very light in you, your conscience is darkened. How dense is that darkness? Mm -hmm. 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever is trusted in. So what does the eye represent according to the Christian thought and actions? Well, the eye is a door to the soul, to the mind. It's to the mind. It opens the door to the mind. It is there open to let everything walk into the mind. That's why you gotta be careful what you watch, what you see. That's exactly right. You gotta be careful what you watch. See, that door is a straight shot to the mind. What you see feeds the mind. Like you said, what you see is what you get. That's right. But actually, that's not really true because what you see is not. Always what you get. Oh, no, that's right. That's right. So you got to watch what you feed that mind because the mind feeds the soul. That's right. The eyes are the door to that's the right. soul. That's right. Uh, you can see the soul through the eyes. And that's that's why the world 
feed the eyes because mm -hmm. it wins the soul through the eyes. Because advertising that attaches sensuality to re retailers' product can become a powerful tool. So retailers sell their merchandise by creating excitement in the minds of the consumer. The experience is pure fantasy, but it works. It can be almost mystical, taking people, however fleeting, to what seems like another realm of existence. It becomes a false religion that offers no knowledge and no spiritual truth. Yet, at the moment, it's so appealing and alluring that many people don't resist it. So we want it. We feel that we deserve it. So why not get it? Right. <laughs> That's exactly how it, it, it's, set it's, up to, it's, set it's set up for that. It's set up to make you desire and not think about not needing it, but uh, yeah, I worked hard for it. I, I, I should be able to get that. I should be able to have that. You know, I really need that. If I had that, my day would be a lot more easier in the <laughs> kitchen. If I had that, see, that's the way it's set up to make you it's feel that you, you really need it. And what happens? We, we as women and some men get these gadgets. We think it's going to make it easier, and really, it don't. Next thing you know, that gadget you bought will be an up under that cabinet, and you've been involved with your number. But you know what? <laughs> you know what? Mm -hmm. You don't even have a Bible in your house. Mm. Well, Lord help us. In other words, God alone knows the vast amounts that have been spent and still will be spent on things that advertisers have convinced us we need. That's what I'm saying. And that's where it becomes sin because you buy those things before you buy the things that will lead you to what? Jesus. That's right. So that's, we're gonna right. Go to, that's correct. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Lord, help us all because we, we as Christians struggle just as much. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, but I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh. Amen. 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 That's what I said. If we walk in the Spirit, in the Spirit mm -hmm. then we will be desiring these things. Of this flesh. world. That's right, of this world. Of this world. It, right. it wouldn't control our influence of what we get and what we buy and the fashion and all that other stuff. That's right. That's right. So we we need to get the spirit. We need to walk with it. We need to hold its hands and walk with it. Go where it go. That's right. If it won't walk go, in the spirit. Yeah, if it won't go in there, that means you need to stay out. <laughs> if they won't drink that, that means you don't need to drink it. We're going to go to um, Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. 
And that's loving yourself, so well, you got to be careful. Well, you see, you see that word, it says soberly, right? Mm-hmm. That means, see, that's why we can't, we can't get into the Word of God because we're so high. Because he said this. don't have a, a high opinion of yourself. Right, of yourself. And we, you, we, we got such a high opinion of ourselves and what wow. we can and what we can buy in this world and what we can have in this world and what we can give in this world, our opinion so high. Mm. See that's why I gotta have right, this right. And because I'm I'm up here, oh, I need this. I work I'm the vice president of I'm the um, CEO of so and so company. I got I gotta have this certain kind of house, I gotta dress this kind of way. Your oh. pride's it's got your hands full, and God said, don't. Watch it. So we're going to go to Old Testament on that one. Watch and it. Ezekiel. Yeah, Lord said, watch it now. Ezekiel. Go watch it. Keep going. Ezekiel. Nope. Keep going up. Oh, okay. Now go up a little bit more there. Um, down some. Down Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 17. Verse 17. This is why we are where we at today. Your heart was proud and lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I lay you before kings that they might gaze at you. See, Lucifer deceived himself thinking he was greater than he really was. And he thought, yeah, he was, well, you know, that's what he was. He, he fell out of there in heaven about he wanted Love to be. Love himself. He loved himself. Mm-hmm. He, he, he loved himself so he told God, look at I want to be like you. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to create I want to be able to know the beginning and the end. I want to be like you. Jesus, I want the power that you got. Mm-hmm. And get ready to go by what you're talking about, Isaiah. Going to Isaiah now. Yeah, he said, I want that power that you got. Isaiah chapter 14. Right. Yeah, I is, go up right there, Isaiah. 14, 14, 14, and verse 14. And that's what the problem is. In verse 14, 14, he said, I will send above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That's right. He said, I will go high them than the clouds, and I will be like the most high. I will go. He said it goes higher than the most highest cloud. That's what he said. He said he reveals self-ambition. That's right. Claiming rights that he did not have. Self-deception, self-ambition were two traits of Lucifer falling hard. That's right. Claiming rights that he didn't have. What we do today, we claim rights that we don't have. Well, we claim a lot of things that we don't have right to claim. (laughs) See, God, that's what God is telling us. That goes back to... Uh, like that name and claiming? Yeah. 
and claiming things of other people. There's nothing wrong with claiming God's promises in His Word. But you can't stake something on something you see, oh, I'm, I'm going to name that and I'm going to claim. You can't do that, yeah. Lucifer. And you can't go and come without name and say, yo, that's what God is telling you. Coverage is wrong. Don't, don't, don't go in there and take your neighbor's mom more because he got a zero turn. You got a little push more. And you decide you're going to name and claim. People do that for real. Okay. So we're telling you that that's one of Lucifer's, he claims something that he didn't have a right to do. So these texts about the fall of Lucifer should tell us that in many ways the original sin is that of narcissism, which one dictionary defines as inordinate fascination with oneself, self-love, vanity. What traits? in any fallen human being are greater indicators of self-deception than these. So you got a lot of people that are narcissists. They are, they love themselves. They're fascinated with themselves. Well, that's where it comes from. It comes from Satan. Yes. What, you, what you call Satan that we want in narcissist. That's what he just said. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, he just he, said that he acted like right. that. Right. We, we act like that. Right. I mean, we get so stuck up on ourselves and so in love with ourselves. That we you stink. We can't see nothing but ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, even when you, in the, even, I mean, when you get where it's dark and you can feel dark and all you can see is self, you better do something about it. Right, because you know what? These traits are more common than one might think. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? He was so arrogant, thought he was yes. greater than he was. Yes. <laughs> Yes, he, he kept going out there and looking up at the guy, talking about what he created, look what he built. He built this and he made this. God told him, hey, you better chill out on that. No, we're going to go to Daniel, <laughs> Daniel chapter 4. I okay. like what you're talking about. All right, let's see. Daniel. We are, we are. You like that? Like that. Oh, okay. Daniel chapter 4. And verse 30. Daniel and for the honor and glory of my majesty. While the words were still in king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. Hmm. Just because, because of his arrogance, narcissism. Yes. He lifted himself up, he claimed something he didn't have a right to claim. He, right. We, like what we do today. We we do that. We, Arrogance. Yeah, because we have the right to claim nothing because God has made it all before we got here and put us caretakers over it. So it's not ours. We just get it to take care of it. Yes. And we try to proclaim something that do not, do not belong to us. And also wealth too can lead to this same deception if we're not careful. 
Yeah. So we got to be careful when it comes to money. Well, that's why we need to keep God in first. Keep God first in all things, and you'll never forget who, who it belongs to, who, who it came to. from, who blessed you with it. And who can take it away from you within there a matter of second. There you go. You're going to go to the New Testament. And it be in the New Testament in 1 Timothy. Yeah. Chapter 6 and verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all evil. Love of money, remember that. It yeah. is through this craving that some have been led astray and have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves through with many acute mental pains. Now, he had said money with people. He, he said, said the love of it. For the love of money. See, why don't people want to take that money away with and say, all money is evil. No, oh, that's not what the Bible said. For the love of money is the root of all evil. See, that's right. See, so loving money is different than lacking money on uh, uh, or whatever. But when you love money, you do anything to have it. Right, because this is love of money. You got love of money. Women sell themselves for money. If they ain't for the love of money, I don't know what you call it. That's right. People kill for money. That's love of money. Mm -hmm. People lie for money. That's love of money. People steal for money. That's for, that's what God is talking about. For the love of money is the root to all evil. Yes, it is, and we need to remember that. Well, we know our time is gone, and we and we just enjoy this. But we will come back to give you our email address. We're gonna come back for closing comments, and we'll come back with prayer. So keep it locked in on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour.
Thank you for joining us right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour where we have the influence of the world. We want to thank you for joining us and we want to give you the last comments. The love of money can encourage overconfidence and a grandest attitude of self-absorption and conceit. This is because materialism imbues people who have great possessions with an inflated sense of importance. When one has a lot of money, it's easy to think more highly of oneself than what you should think. After all, everyone wants to be rich, but only a few attain great wealth. Hence, it is easy for the rich to become self-absorbed, proud, and boastful. So we need to seek the kingdom first and all of its righteousness, and God will add everything else you need unto you. So we thank you for joining us, and we're going to go with closing prayer right now, so keep it locked in. A mind to pray. Dear Almighty and Omnipotent God, our Father, our Creator, and everlasting help, we humbly approach your throne in the precious name of Jesus. We eagerly enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise, recognizing you are infinite in power and might. The fullness of your ways are past knowing and your majesty is both seen and felt. Your word says you will grant us the very desire and will to do those things that are pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus, the first and the last, we ask for our mind to pray and revelation to have a deeper and more intimate fellowship with you. We ask that you drive out all distractions and the cares of this life and give us a sincere heart to seek your face with great expectation and hope. Let us have the same attitude of Christ, 
who is totally faithful and dependent on you. In the name of Jesus, help us, Holy Spirit, to submit our minds to the purpose and plans of God while teaching us how to follow him daily. Let us turn from our wicked ways so that our sins be forgiven and that you hear our prayers and restore our land. In the name of Jesus, renew our minds and saturate them in your word that our thoughts are pure and steadfastly focused on you. Draw us near and let us listen attentively to your voice, cherishing every moment in prayer and fellowship with you. Let us desire your presence more than our natural food and give us a mind to pray and seek your kingdom above all else while trusting you to provide all of our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. And may the windows of heaven open and pour upon you a bundle of blessings. And if you need Bible, if you have Bible, excuse me, Bible questions or you need prayer, you can email us at robtgina50 at gmail.com. And don't forget, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday is Bible study from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Thank you and happy Sabbath and have a blessed night.